Have you missed us? Because we've missed you. We are a player light this week. Michelle is uh, serving a suspension, we'll call it. She definitely hasn't got a red card, but uh, she's unable to make it to recording. Cody and I uh, both couldn't convene last week either um, with all our personal dramas. But hey, welcome back to Talking Tillies. If you don't know who we are, uh, we are football fans, uh, women's football fans, and we are just here to talk all things women's football, women's football, Australian women's football to be exact. And uh, we've got a pretty big week this week in the world of Australian women's football, Cody. How are you this week? Are you ready for the weekend? Yeah, I'm a lot more ready than what I was last week. I can't even remember what it was that I had on. I just every time th- we try to sit down and record, I think I life wasn't just available. got in the yeah, life just got in the way last week, guys. Um, and that does I happen. Mean, Valentine's Day was Wednesday, so that was me running uh-huh. off. Look, it wasn't me. I was available. <laughs> I, I don't have any commitment. I just, I just needed area. to bring it up, but that, that's a different story. <laughs> um, all right, so we've got two weeks to cover, guys, and then we're going to dive into everything that's happening around the Matildas. Some big news around the off season potentially. Um, with some rumors flying around, we're getting an A-League women's all-star team. Um, and uh, obviously looking at everything coming up with these next two games for these Olympic qualifiers in the next week. So, all right, Cody, let's go back a week to uh, our short week. We only had five games in the week that we weren't able to cover. Um, Western Sydney down Newcastle at home, uh, 2-1. Uh, st- uh, that was almost stopping Newcastle's good run of form too. I think they were on – oh, no, they lost to Central Coast. Um, Central Coast managed to hold and pull a point from Melbourne victory, uh, which I, I think Central Coast – they've got a shout for finals, I reckon. I think they're coming good at the right time. They've just beaten Perth this week as well. Um, I, I'm vibing – Thought, look at this Central Coast team. They're sitting in fifth at the moment, two points off third, and um, are looking good. I, I'm I'm excited for them. We'll come back to that in a second, though. Um, City Sydney draw. Um, that's the, I think it's the sixth or seventh week in a row, plus this week where they drop points to Adelaide. So eight weeks in a row that City haven't come away with. Um, all the points, I think, really. Nah, no, four weeks. They beat, four weeks. They beat Wellington. Sorry, my bad. Can't math. Um, Perth, a lot of draws. Perth, Canberra, 2-2. Western United. Chloe Legazzo is on a streak, and I am so excited to see her in a Tilly's jersey because, like, if she carries the form that she's got in the A-League right now into this week, woof. Um, that's going to be exciting as Western United down Brisbane 3-2. Were there any highlights from this week, Cody, that stood out to you? Um, I know I'm making your brain kind of go back. I can't think of anything that stood out. Um, yeah, you make, you're making me much. think here. It was a little while ago, but... Um, <laughs> it's not I was fresh, at, I know. Yeah, I, I did go to the Mariners' Melbourne victory game. Uh, Casey Dumont's performance that day was nothing short of brilliant. If it weren't for her... Look, you look at it on paper, victory... Were the ones that had to chase the game and equalize. I don't know if you'd say if you looked at just a score line and you have the game kind of played out from a stats sheet perspective. I don't think you'd say the, Marin- the Mariners held on for a draw. But watching that game, the way that played out, Mariners were definitely lucky a way to get lucky <laughs> to get away with a point because the last ten fifteen minutes, Victory could have had almost three or four. Casey Dumont stepped up very yeah. very well. So full credit to her. Look, Mar- it was probably a blip in the road for him. I'm surprised they actually played that poorly considering everything else from them has been really, really good lately. But 
Yeah. Yeah. That game for Melbourne Victory was probably some things come to yeah, a sign of things to come considering what they did the next week. I think it's it's super interesting like um how this league is kind of shaping out over the week. So we've got six weeks left and you still really can't write uh, it's it's a stretch, but you still can't really write anybody off from finals. Um unless I, I think Canberra and Adelaide are getting to that point now, but it's still not too far a jump if somebody has a really bad run of form, which is super exciting. Um, you know, like extended playoff spots are making things look a little interesting this year. Uh, I think this- what's um, saving Adelaide and Canberra in that respect is the fact that they've both got games in hand to play. Canberra having two of them, to be fair. So yeah. you get points there. Changes the outlook of things entirely. <laughs> Brisbane's probably the one that you're looking at going... Ooh, are they gonna are they gonna get there? Are they out already? I mean, even Wellington, like six weeks ago we were thinking that they could probably hold for top four and it's just kind of dropped off the face a little bit there. Look, they they have a game in hand as well. And yeah. uh, we're gonna probably talk in a minute about the fact that they got smacked by Western United. They've uh-huh. also had a whole lot of players out at um International the OFC uh, Nations Cup because they decided that that shouldn't be played. In an international break, the weird and wonderful organisation the OFC is, unfortunately. <laughs> Lucky but, um, I've seen yeah, that, right? They've got a lot of... <laughs> I don't even know if it's merging. Someone just needs to go through the OFC and go, hey, get your shit together sure? and be a proper football organisation. <laughs> because, unfortunately, New Zealand are quite good at football, mm. but they play in a confederation. That sucks. Right. And I don't think I'm being... I don't think I'm even being harsh... If anything, I'm being light describing it like that because it's no disrespect to the teams. They don't. There's they're in parts of the world that don't get a large amount of funding, a large amount of football following, and the resources to be able to compete, even at a semi-professional level, level, let alone a professional level. But in reality, they're let down by an organisation that I reckon I could run better by myself with the brain and life life knowledge and skills that I had when I was about six or seven. You heard it here first, folks. Cody's the new president of the UFC. Um, I, my toxic trait is thinking that I could I mean, do a better job than who's running it currently. Look, to be fair, <laughs> that that's kind of like half the reason Australia like shifted to the AFC all those years ago. Oh, yeah, well. exactly. Like, we saw it coming. Well, when you're winning a nation, a continental yeah. cup final 11-1, I'm not sure if you saw that result yeah. today. Good on New Zealand because they're doing the right things. I feel bad for those other nations. Oh my god! Even FIFA, go into Oceania and just help them get their shit together because they really <laughs> need it. They they need a helping hand. I think the other headline of last week, just before we wrap on last week, um, Sophie Harding yet again on the score sheet. Didn't get on it this week, but got on it last week, and that that's good form to carry, um, which is good because we'll touch on her in a second. Um, Let's look at what happened this week. You mentioned the Wanderers um, getting absolutely pummeled by victory. Uh, highlight here, Emily Gledick's goal from halfway, bro. <laughs> Just pure class, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, absolutely fantastic. And I think it's the sort of thing you're expecting when she signed. You've got a former Matilda, someone that's played at a good level of the game. And yeah. now we've finally seen her go, okay. I should be the best player in a football pitch when I step onto it. I'm just going to go and do that today very casually. I saw some people very reactionary 
saying that, oh, maybe we should have called her into the... It's too late to drop Harding and put her in the Matilda squad. Yeah. I was like, it's one goal, guys. (laughs) Look, it was a great goal. And naturally, she probably is a slightly better footballer than... Not even slightly better. She's a better footballer than Sophie Harding. But she's past past the point where she's uh, nailed on Matilda's player. Yeah. You want to give... If you've got two players that are near if and inbiting about who you're going to take, in my opinion, you go for the younger one. That's only if they're two dead set on the same level. And the reality is... If you look purely based on form, they're not at the same level. Harding's actually been playing better football. Unfortunately, that's a trait that I've seen, not just in women's football or people that are new to the game. Even some very, very rusted on football fans fall into that trap of being very reactionary in their opinions and what they say. But the reality is, it's it's one game. Probably we're not calling her into the Matilda squad but over one game. I would also dare say that, Sophie Harding's on a heaps better run of form than Emily Gillick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Except for Gilnick, that one sorry, game. I say that wrong every week, guys. Um, Gilnick, pull me up next time. Um, what, what are we saying? Glenick again. Oh, no, I, I don't know why I read it Gilnick. I don't even hear um, it Glenick. Yeah, no, I caught myself the second time. Oh, um, my God. But yeah, I, w- I would dare say that, like, I think the way Sophie's played this year, she's deserved this call up. And we're going to get into this in 10 minutes. So let's. Put a bookmark in there. Um, Canberra Sydney got suspended <laughs> this week due to bad weather in Canberra. Um, I think there were five or six Sydney fans that made the trip to the nation's capital. Uh, I think they got a meet and greet with some of the players after the game. So um, good on Sydney for organising that. But that's a long yeah, road I think, trip um, for the a kids. Okay. Michelle Morris wasn't able to attend a Canberra away day and went, no, nah, we can't have this. This will need to be postponed. So we'll put a bookmark in Canberra away <laughs> for Michelle. Um, Maitland, up here in God's country of Newcastle, hosted um, the Jets and Raw this week as the Jets ran away. Serena Bolden, 11 goals, 12 games. Absolutely insane. And to think, like, it's astounding that she didn't have a contract to start the season. <laughs> it's going it's to be a great story when you bring up that fact when she ends up being possibly boot. <laughs> the, um, was it the Julie Dolan medalist. Yeah. If, and God boot possibly as well. You never know how that's going to go. But, um, yeah, the fact that arguably the best player in terms of form in the competition right now had to wait a month into the season to get a contract <sighs> is, you've got a question, Sir May. Look, everyone else's losses in Newcastle's gain. I was very critical about Newcastle Jets at the start of the season, just in terms of what I saw from their squad. I didn't see a lot. There's two things that I've got to point out there. One, I didn't realize. I want you to say how good is Indina was going to be, but also how tall she is. <laughs> that um, that definitely makes a difference when you've got a keeper with such an imposing presence in a goal. Yeah, and I also wasn't expecting them to sign um Serena Bolden. If I was psychic and I knew that that was around the corner, she yeah. turns them into a top six contender on on her own. So hey, we're sitting in six right now. I'm telling exactly. you exactly. So you know what? Absolutely special signing. Absolutely special player. And kudos to Newcastle Jets for making yeah. the move. How much, like, do you reckon residual mental, um, having, like, EVE in that squad too for those four games, do you reckon they're still kind of riding that wave or do you reckon that's passed off now? Like- I dead ass ask Isabel Ninor this exact question yeah. because I have been, obviously I've mentioned it on here before, I do work for Front Page Football, and I've brought this up on about three or four Front Page Dub episodes where it's like, you bring Emily Van Engmond in, it's not just a case of you have a good player for four games, there's a flow-on effect of for what she can impart on even just on young, not just young players, but everyone. 
Isabel Lindor, I can't remember how old she is off the top of my head, but she's definitely not older than 26. So she is in yeah. that, at the very least, relatively young age bracket. Yeah. I asked her this question after um, post-match in Unite Round, and she said you have players like that, like Emily Van Ingwen come in, not necessarily just with their leadership, because there are leaders in the squad already, but with that, I think she mentioned the word fame factor. Yeah. I, I'm going to use it for lack of a better word, but you have someone like that that kind of comes in and you all shut the fuck up and listen. Yeah. She didn't say it exactly like that, but I could tell that's what she was, that's what she was <laughs> implying. And what you're able to take away from those four weeks, it spurs you on for a season that goes forward. And when you've got someone like Serena Bolden who can offer that presence and can offer that star power as well for you to be able to go forward in, in, your, in what you need to do, of yeah. course it's going to help you. Of course it's going to be good. So 100%, that's definitely a flow-on effect. And what's the word you use? Residual? Residual something. I, th- I think <laughs> not only having her there, signing Serena at the same time probably made that transition so much easier because, like, Emily was feeding oh, Serena a ton <laughs> while she was here. But I feel like that just made that gel. So when Em left, whoever stepped in was like, cool, all right, Serena's just flying. Let's just feed her the ball. Like, there's so many... It I just looks like, yeah, I don't know if it's ever going to Those four games had so much more of a impact on the squad than her being here for the rest of the season as well. Like, would have been great of if she course. was, but, yeah, I don't know. Really cool. Oh, look, it, you, you take her for the whole season if you could. Oh. You're definitely not going to turn it down. <laughs> but it's one of those things that you, when you have a player that quality, you take what you can get with them, really. Yeah. Um, Melbourne City, we've mentioned it, dropping points. Um, not to take away from Adelaide's run of form either. They've kind of flipped their their roller coaster around in a way and now are going on the right direction. Um, but City are dropping points when they cannot afford to drop points right now. Western United dropped them with a win over Wellington this week. And it, I don't know, they just can't find a way to consistently get that winning goal through the net, can they? Yeah, look, I can't really pinpoint what it is exactly. I think that it, it could really just be a dip. They had they set expectations very, very high at the start of the season. There was always going to come a period where things kind of fall by the wayside for themselves. So I get, in a way, I'm kind of not surprised, but you're at a period where Sydney FC have really kind of worked their way back into title contention. Western United have been on a fantastic run of form. And Melbourne Victory, you know, I've complained about their consistency, which I think they've slowly started to sort. But they've worked their way in, into that pack as well. And like I said before, Mariners aren't exactly far off either. So there's going to be some... It's, these next few games for CDR are going to be very important. I can't remember who they're playing. The next game is against Brisbane. Yeah. You've you got to win that game. You've got to win that game. Then you've got three in Melbourne before you go to Perth for the final round. At least those next four games are going to be I mean, extremely Victory important. City is going to be very interesting. That will be. And look, you've got Brisbane and Jets beforehand, which yeah. on paper should be winnable games. But then again, on paper, I mean, Jet- United should be a winnable game too. The Jets held them to a draw the first time they played. So it's that not... That was a... Um, what do you call it? That was an Emily Van one featuring yeah. Jets as well, though, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. That'll really test how much the impact's continued. <laughs> that's that's our bookmark spot right there. We'll come back to that in two weeks. Um, Western United, we've mentioned them so much. It's 
they started really bad. I think they were sitting on the bottom after three or four rounds and now sitting pretty at the top, a point clear, I think. Yeah, point clear a city. They just have clicked, haven't they? It's, it's just a really nice kind of form of football to watch with them right now. And with Chloe Legazzo at the helm, I think she's tied top scorer on the squad now um, with Hannah Keane. Um, it's great time of year to kind of step into stride. <laughs> oh, of course. I don't know if they would have been sitting bottom. They won two of their first five games, but there was a sense that they could have been playing a lot better than yeah. what they were. I think we've mentioned it before, Tokaso probably not being able to give his all in that period, being able to bring someone in that can do exactly that. It's extremely important for him. And Kat Smith, she's shown her quality as a coach now this year. So yeah, definitely it'll be not just exciting to see how they run in the season as well. I think it'll be exciting to see how they go in finals because yeah. you've got an extremely quality team here. I, I wouldn't put them past going on a good finals run, even if they don't win the win the um premiership. Yeah, The only thing for them will be um Hillary Bill's departure now, if um that affects them in any way. Yeah, I was going to mention that. That's that's kind of a big loss for them at the back because I feel like even in some of those close games, she's come up with some huge saves that have kept them in it, kept them in a point or given kept them with the three points. So it'll be very interesting to see if that affects anything at the back in terms of confidence or anything like that. It's going to be very interesting. Obviously, Hilary Bale heading off to, I think she's going to San Diego, isn't she? Um, uh, yeah, because she's and she's going to fight for the number one spot. So I think yeah. that'll be a good sign. Look, it's if she's going back there and she's not the number one keeper for him, I do worry if it's an indictment on our league as well. The fact that yeah. uh, they are arguably the best keeper in our competition can't get a run in the NWSL. Yeah, but look, there might be other reasons for that. Yeah, interesting. Um, last game of this week, Sunny Coast heading over to Perth and putting three past them at Macedonia Park. It looked like a fortress at the start of the year. Now the fortress looks like it's been Trojan horsed and is not holding stable. Um, another one of those teams alongside Wellington that we were looking at at the start of the year, like, can they keep this up? Let's hope they keep this up. Um, have not kept it up, but are still in the hunt to sneak back in and maybe be one of those wild cards come those final spots. Um, Central Coast sitting pretty in fifth plot, as we said earlier, and not far off the top three either. So really good for this team in their first year. And even if they don't make finals, like I think this is a huge confidence boost going forward to 25 and going, yeah, cool, all right. We were there. We're now got a season under a belt. Everybody knows their role. And let's do this. Um, very interesting. Thoughts on Sunny Coast? Thoughts on Perth? Oh, on their day, they're absolutely fantastic. They're, they've got themselves in the six. I'd be very surprised if they end up falling out of it. I know we keep saying that that bottom ta- that bottom period of the table, no one's technically out of finals contention yet, but I think you look at the sides that have gotten themselves in there, they're going to yeah. be extremely hard to knock off. I'd be, I think I'm at a point now where I'd be surprised if Mariners don't end up going the full way and going into finals, not necessarily the full way in finals, but at least being part of that final six that postseason. Maybe Jets and Wanderers have something to say, but obviously Jets are already sitting in there at the moment. 
the way Perth are going, I don't see Perth kind of fighting their way into it. I think Wanderers probably the only ones for me that are the ones that I'd worry about. Maybe yep. Wellington as well once they've got a full um, side together. But even then, I don't know if Mariners will be the one that drops out. It's it's honestly going to be an interesting final few weeks. I think <laughs> Mariners have it in them to hold off. I could be, end up being very, very wrong. Yeah. But um, I think one thing that I'd be saying right now, though, Emily Husband, Coach of the Year. I don't know if there's been many arguments against it. <laughs> they Central Coast have Adelaide, Brisbane, uh, Canberra, City, and then Western United. Those last two games are going to be very The last two games are tougher. Those next three games. Those next three. As much I as think- Canberra and Adelaide I do like as football teams, this is the bottom three you're playing against the next three games to seal a final spot. You yeah. need to make a statement. Yeah. Especially knowing that you're playing potentially the top two teams at the end for your last two games. This is kind of, this is f- final finals time for Central Coast. These three the fact games. Two of them are home as well. Yeah, exactly. It's even more, even more so. Central Coast going to be popping off. Um, all right. Let's look ahead to next week and then we'll jump overseas. Uh, so this week coming, um, oh, wait, we've got no, yeah, don't worry. A-League's out until March 1st, guys. going to say international yeah, look, break. We're in international break. Let's go. Nothing next week. Let's jump overseas. Uh, we've had some big results um, overseas. Not really sure. I know our Aussies aren't getting a lot of game time. Um, there's some that have locked down their spot and then some that are kind of floating between the bench and the starting 11 now, and it's very interesting um, across multiple clubs to see that kind of change halfway through the season now. Um, What we've missed, uh, we've got no one at Villa or Bristol. Uh, United beat Brighton 2-0. West Ham beat Arsenal. That was a huge result for West Ham. (laughs) Um, Like, especially how they were looking before the last international break or Christmas break. To come back and do that to Arsenal, just that um, didn't carry through to this week, but that's a different story. Uh, City put two past Leicester. Liverpool drew with Tottenham and Chelsea took out Everton 3-0. And then this week, City managed to uh, give Chelsea their first loss in, I think it was three years at uh, Kings Meadow, uh, which is absolutely huge in the WSL. Uh, Arsenal at a 60,000-plus crowd Emirates against United, uh, won 3-1. Liverpool, Brighton, uh, Liverpool with a red card, uh, beat Brighton 1-0. Everton, Claire Wheelers, Everton put down West Ham 2-0 this week and uh, Tottenham lost uh, 2-1 to Villa and Leicester City beat Bristol 5-2. So, very interesting in the WSL. Um, and West Ham and Brighton have put some very needed points between them and Bristol um, to pull themselves out of that kind of relegation battle at this point. Um, and with the, we're only halfway through the, the uh, season over there in the UK. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see how this rounds out. Um, just back to these players we had in our group chat that, AK and Mary Fowler were kind of almost a little out of favour at City fighting for starting 11 spots. Um, I think Kat Gorry's settled quite nicely into West Ham. Um, but how are you seeing this potentially affect us heading towards an Olympic campaign? 
Look, my biggest thing is I always want players to be somewhere where, not I said they're going to be guaranteed minutes, but somewhere where they're going to be respected in terms of getting an adequate amount of game time. I think, funnily enough, the only one that I'm actually worried about at Arsenal is um, Steph Catley. She, um, it's ever since, uh, what's I think Fox, Emily Fox came in. Yeah. Um, she's been kind of in and out of sides. She's been a little bit better the last couple of weeks, but, um, still warning signs there considering she's the one that's usually nailed on on that left back role. Yeah. Now that's petering. You don't know what's going to look like in the future. She's probably the one I'm worried about the most. Uh, Caitlin Ford, no matter what's going on at Arsenal, she seems to be getting a yeah, good amount of game time, no matter yeah. what's going on. She's not going to be starting week in, week out, but that's more a testament to the depth Team. that Arsenal have. And she's, and she's respected in that period, in that group as well. It's not just a thing of, okay, yep, these are world-renowned stars that are going to be ahead of her all the time. She's getting stars ahead of them on occasion as well. I think that's something that's really good. Then you've got Cooney Cross. She's still a young player. She's an investment. I'm not going to worry if she's not playing week in, week out. Or starting week in, week out per se. I know she had that period where she was. She lost her spot. It is what it is. I think on the weekend she still got 45 minutes. There are things yeah. that you, t- you can take on. At her age, that's not a poor experience to go through, especially moving to a massive club. Yeah. Give her two or three years, she'll be the one that you can't take out of that team. So in that in regards to her, I'm not worried. It's the Man City girls that are worrying me, unfortunately. Yeah. You've had um, it's not even play, not even players that have come in in the winter transfer window or anything like that that have knocked them off their spots. It's just um, squad rotation. Like yeah, Alexander just... come into the Man City side and is doing really well. AK is not able to get ahead of her now. Mary Fowler had a period when Bunny Short was injured where she was able to nail down a starting spot. Now there's um a young English player that they're putting in ahead of her. Let me just pull up the name, sorry, because that's escaped me. Uh, Jessica Park. Looks like that's the kind of person's taking. I know Fowler wasn't always necessarily starting, but it's just another person that's been added to the pecking order in front of her. I would have thought when Jill Rod was injured, that would have opened up more minutes for yeah. Fowler. Doesn't look like the case. I don't know if you look at Fowler's situation and go, okay, maybe a loan move to work for, or if you're just better off biting the bullet and leaving the club altogether. But next season, she needs to be somewhere where she's going to start week in, week out. She's good enough to be doing that. She's at a stage in her career where she should be doing that, considering yeah. what she's gone through already. So I do hope that's at least on the thought process on the horizon. That'd be really good. Kennedy, I don't know what her situation's going to be. She's at a stage in her career, though, where she could... She can almost start kind of slowly pushing herself down the pecking order, even yeah. a return to Tottenham and just getting guaranteed minutes there at a mid-table WSL club. That's not necessarily a bad option for her, I think. And the reality is Tottenham look like they're doing a little bit yeah. better in the women's space. So, you know, maybe it's a thing to actually help them get themselves up in um the standings in um England as well. Yeah. Charlie Grant's there. She's doing well. So there's, look, it's good and bad in England at the moment. If you want to talk about doing good, though, um, Katrina Gorry, you talk <laughs> about that. um. Turnaround that West Ham's experiencing Gory has been at the heart of it. So yeah. it's absolutely fantastic to I see. I think it. that's like the peak use of a transfer window is West Ham going, all right, we're not going to sacrifice the year. We're going to go splash cash. And all of a sudden they're kind of like, oh, cool. All right, we can get points. We're good. <laughs> we know how to play football again. Um, and it looks like it's all but closed up some of those holes that we were seeing Maka get absolutely peppered with. Um, heading into that Christmas break. So very, very interesting. 
Um, let's do something we haven't done in a while, Cody. Let's let's talk Matildas um, because we have been off for two weeks, <laughs> or a week, and we've had a squad announcement since then, um, and we've had a lot of changes to the squad since then. Um, any surprises from this squad announcement, Cody? Let's go off the base, not with any changes that have come from it. Um, what was your initial reaction when you saw the 23? I'll say what my reaction is now, and I'm kind of glad we didn't talk about it last week because enough's changed in that time <laughs> and that it would have been useless by now anyway. Um, look, Torpy's probably the biggest surprise inclusion that definitely took me very literally by surprise. I was... Yeah. Not expecting that at all. Usually Tony waits until they've kind of made that move and have gotten minutes somewhere else before bringing them into the squad. But um, no, look, it's not an addition that I'm opposed to. I think we need a bit of depth at that left-back role. All we've really had is Charlie Grant shifting over to a weaker side. It's not necessarily something you, sorry, something you want long-term. Torpy looks like she's going to be the next one, next young left-back that's really able to come through. Yeah, at least until Kirsty Fenton's able to get a look in overseas as well. But um, no, it's, it's good to see. Puts a bit of pressure on Nevin to kind of lift her game up a little bit at club level because yeah. you know as much as she's playing in a good league, she hasn't been playing well for a while now, and it's almost like she's in the squad based more on convenience for um anything else. That's not a knock on her. I think she's a fantastic player, but she's not playing her football at the best that she possibly can be. And I think that is a little bit of a cause for concern, but. Look, it is what it is. It, it's maybe something that can make her a little bit stronger. Yeah. And speaking back to club level, I think she's one of those players that's lost her spot as well. So that's a little bit interesting to keep an eye on too. Yeah. It'll be um, but it'll be good to see how someone different goes in that role as well. I don't know how much game time uh, Torby will get ahead of Catley, considering these are two competitive games and we yeah. need to make sure we win them. I can imagine Catley will get at the very least the majority of the minutes over these two games. But I, I guess it would come down to almost how convincingly we win on Saturday. Yeah, um, possibly. But even then, we we convincingly on Saturday. I'm still putting out a strong squad in Melbourne on Wednesday. I just want yeah. yeah, at the very least, first 45. You want to make sure you see this is all out. We'll get to the game itself eventually, but I don't want to take this easy. And I don't want to take this unseriously. Yeah. That's my point of view. But yeah, Torpy is definitely the surprise. Great to see Michelle Heyman back. Great to see Chloe Legazzo back. Yeah. Um. Then after that, um, Harding's definitely... An interesting yeah. one, mainly because, correct me if I'm wrong, she's replacing Courtney Vine, right? Courtney Vine, yeah. So, and didn't I, she play on the weekend? I don't. It, so the Matildas released that it was personal issues. Sydney. Ah, oh, okay. So Sydney was suspended. I was thinking of that so was she an was, injury. She, uh, yeah, there was well, that's rumors that it was an injury. I mean, she's been carrying, she hasn't been 100% since yeah, the, the, I think it was a groin strain or something she picked up during the last lot of internationals. She. Came, I feel like Sydney rushed her back into that and then she picked up another one that kept her out for a week or two. Um, like when she's back, she's scoring, but it's probably a good thing because she might not be at that international level yet where... Yeah, it's... look, that's fair enough. And it gives someone else another chance to see what they can come in and do. Yeah. Another rapid player as well, someone that'll kind of fit that role yeah. that Courtney Vine does a little bit easily. It'll, it'll be interesting, but yeah, look, hopefully everything's right with Courtney Vine. I've missed the part that it was personal issues, so... I yeah, think look, I think that was the good. original statement. I don't know if that's 100% right. We don't have our residents in the FC know-it-all here. To I also here, have but... limited, limited memory yeah. of how that happened. I just remember seeing Stephie Harding was in the Matilda squad. 
So Sophie Harding comes in. Was there, there was another change as well, or was it just Sophie? There was someone else. Um, wasn't Daniela Galich came in as a train on. Yes, there we go. So that's good. Which I am very happy about that train on. Um, <laughs> and you didn't mention Jada Wyman either. Are you okay? Oh, well, that's to be fair. I think we've got to get. We're moving into a period now where where that's her our three keepers are going to be yeah Jada Wyman, Mackenzie Arnold, and T and Micah. They, I think Lydia Williams is kind of manoeuvring her way out of the squad now. Yeah. Uh, as much as the Olympics will only be two keepers that go, Jada Wyman probably won't be one of them. But um, no, I think she's nailed on third choice keeper. I think the next step for her is one, to make her debut and two, to get a move overseas into a professional environment. Yeah. Are you surprised we're taking four centre-backs? Um, In no. Kennedy, Polks and Luke? Uh, look, Tony does have a knack for wanting depth at centre-back, even though you've got players like Charlie <laughs> Grant who can come in and fill that role. Steph Catley can come in and fill that role. Personally, I don't see the need to take four centre-backs, but I'm not surprised <laughs> that he's doing it. But um, when it comes to Olympics, he won't be able to do that. And yeah. I'm intrigued to see how he manoeuvres that situation because if I had to pick a third-choice centre-back, I know who I want. It's probably the unpopular choice in terms of everything around the world or out around Australia and everyone around Australia's opinion, but it's a hill that I will semi-die on. And who is that, Cody? I'll take Abby Luke. Yeah. I, I, look, Claire Polkinghorne's been a great servant to this country, yeah. but if I'm picking an Olympic squad and I need to pick my best team, Avi Lewick just purely on form right now is a better centre-back. She's playing yeah. at a good level consistently. Claire Polkinghorne, she's had to take a step down in terms of the a, um the Malviscan, but Avi Lewick's playing Champions League football, playing for one of the top teams in Sweden. Yeah. I don't see how you can realistically go, okay, I don't want to take her. The argument about her age, I'm going to be honest, is tiresome and frankly a little bit dull and offers very little substance in terms of actual football discourse. And it's an issue that you see, once again, it's not limited to women's football or women's football fans. It's an issue that you see right across Australian football. People yeah. complained about Bruno Fornaroli coming into the soccer squad because he's, he's 36. Man's our top goal scorer in the league. Of course you're going to take him in a, in a soccer squad to a major <laughs> tournament. You've got someone in good form. That's what you want. A.V. Lewis in good form. She's kept keeping clean sheets against some of the best teams in the world. Yeah. Why would we not take her? What, because you want to take someone that's three years younger? What purpose does that bring? Absolutely she run over by Yeah. So like she I, like, She's in a position in her career where she can't keep up with some of the best players in the world at the moment. Yeah. Whereas Avi Lewick is showing, you know, she may not have the same pace as someone like players like Claire Hunt and Alana Kennedy have. She's very, very good on the ball. And she's got almost a bit more of an intelligence to her than what Claire Polkinghorne does, at least at this stage of their careers. Yeah. So there's a lot more that Avi Lewick's bringing to a game than what Claire Polkinghorne is. You look at the Canada game as well, they were playing side by side. Avi Lewick, for me, was the better player out of the two in the day. Yeah. I don't, I don't see why you don't take her. Now, if we don't touch on this person um, without Michelle here, I feel like we'll hear about it. So Chloe Legazzo, we we called it. I think it, it's more than deserved, this call-up, and I cannot be happier. It's going to be such a good shake-up for that kind of attacking midfield kind of push, um, especially without Sam up front. I feel like, I feel like Tony's made all the right decisions, right? 
you go, all right, let's not just replace Sam. Let's put more pay, play, pieces in place to fill that gap. He hasn't just gone cool. All right, Michelle's going to come in, boom, replace Sam. We need something else behind it to push it forward. And I feel like that's where Chloe's going to slot in almost to kind of help push that attack forward in a way. Um, if she does slot into the, the starting 11. Um, but I think it it's, yeah, it, it's really hard to knock her form over Mary Fowler, who's been sitting on the bench for City and playing the last 10. So... What do you it's think? hard though because just naturally Mary Fowler is an amazing footballer. Yeah. So there, there is that fact to contend with. No, look, I think I'm not one for storylines or anything like that. I, I do love a good story in reality, but I don't want to call someone up just to fill, just to make a story and make a headline. What I like about Chloe Legazzo and Michelle Heyman's inclusions is that they've both they're both coming in because they genuinely deserve to not just because they genuinely deserve to be there, but because their the call ups are genuinely necessary. Yeah. You mentioned it before. Heyman's probably I think you look at Heyman now, she's arguably the best natural finisher in this squad despite only just returning to it. Yeah. And Chloe Legazzo does offer us a bit of ta- tactical flexibility in that number nine role. She'd play it the same way uh Mary Fowler or Emily Van Egmond would. That's why I don't think she'd come in and start because if you're gonna play that style of football one of those is going to come into the role and take that instead. But it provides more of an option if yeah. you need to replace someone mid-game or you need someone to come in and go, okay, 10 minutes, give her your role, see what you can do. Chloe Legaz is going to be able to come in and do that. Plus, you can fill multiple roles on a football pitch. You can drop her deeper. You can play her as a proper 10. You can even play her as deep as an 8. There's options there for you that she brings to the team. So 100%, absolutely fantastic. And then, yeah, you look at the story and go, you know, she's had so many injury problems. You'd think that she was in a position where the Matildas wasn't even an option for her anymore. But now she's back when, and to kind of quote Avatar The Last Airbender, <laughs> she's back when we need her most, Yeah, which is which is great. It's, it's fantastic. And you're talking about a stalwart of this Matildas squad in, in its recent history someone who's beloved by Matilda's fans and beloved by the squad itself. It could genuinely just be a confidence boost seeing her back in camp as well. So, yeah, all around, it's fantastic. Yeah. I, I The more I look at it, the more I'm like, I don't want to be Tony in two months' time when he's got to potentially make that call the cut five and go, all right, we're down to 18 now. <laughs> Cause see, I, I look at even though it's good to see Chloe Lagarde or Michelle Heyman back, I'd look at it and go, if I can't fit them in an eighteen, I simply don't fit them in an eighteen. And I think they they both, especially in their stage they are in their careers, would kind of expect that too. Where you know they've only just come back into the side, they're not going to be nailed on starters. It's different if they go into one uh, one of those Uzbekistan games and absolutely kill it and make a case and go, hey, look, I'm one of our best eighteen players. But if that's the case then I'm not going to argue with them being in the okay. 18 either. So let's, let's go hypothetical, Cody. All right. So we can pretty much guarantee that one of the keepers is going to get dropped. We'll, we'll only take two keepers, right? We're probably only going to take one, uh, three center backs. So there's two of the five that get dropped somewhere in there. You've got three. Where else do you cut? Do you drop one of the bent, like bench kind of wing backs? 
to make that. Have yeah, because Charlie we have play on Charlie both. Green who can play yep. left and right back. So there's so you've three. Got both so there. then you've got three, six, nine, twelve that you've got to cut two from. Who's if if you were to cut Michelle Heyman, for an example, who's your out and out strike? This is the thing is, is that you, you got it's hard. You're talking like when you mentioned Amy Sayer, that's like level where she can step into that role. It's interesting, actually, because if you're let's just say Michelle Heyman comes back into this Matilda side and does well, that probably means Amy Amy Sayer is the one that gets dropped. Yeah, like I, like I said, if Michelle Heyman comes in and proves that she's one of our best 18 players. I am the last person that's going to argue her inclusion at the Olympics. Even if she doesn't come in and prove that she's one of the best 18 players and still gets selected for the Olympics, I'm probably still not going to argue it. It's just yeah. that's the sort of player she is. It's like you, if she's there, you're going to back her. But, um, yeah, look, Sayer's not someone that I think needs to be a rusted-on player and is untouchable in this Matilda's team. She's definitely – there's definitely a case of dropper if someone else can come in and perform better than her. But, um, yeah, look, I'm – You've got to take at least one out now, striker, and unfortunately, we don't have Sam Kerr anymore. Yeah. You've got Mary Fowler who can fit that, fill that role. She can play as a ten, she can play as a striker. So you've got cover there. You only need to take one. I'd probably almost drop a midfielder if I need to. Maybe yeah. to Gallup's not necessary, but um, it's, it's it'll be tough. I think when you move further forward, it'll be there'll be a few interesting picks. You can tell I'm not one for history or heritage. Like if I need a wilderness axe on her, I, I mean um, that's that's the way we should look at the team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it, it exactly, should be a call. You've done this before. It's a what are you doing now? Like if Sophie Harding comes in and absolute balls out these two games, if she plays, how hard is it? Do you think Courtney steps back in and like Sophie goes away again? Like if yes, hundred <laughs> percent. Look. I don't. I don't think Courtney finds someone that you can just <laughs> that simply was the drop for no yes reason. I've ever heard. I, it's, no, but it may it's not di- no reason. Like if Sophie Harding goes cool and absolutely balls out again. Yes, it's Uzbekistan, but like if she proves that's she can play thing. at that level, that's the thing. Courtney Vine's done it in much tougher games. If you're talking purely between the two, I'm not dropping Courtney Vine for <laughs> Sophie Harding. You look at club form, you look at what Courtney Vine's done in the Matildas, you look at the form she's in, I don't think you can realistically say Harding will come in and do a better job. If there's someone else that you can drop in, both of them are able to come in and you're able to have them in the squad together, different story. But Courtney Vine, someone for me that Peter's on the starting 11. I okay. don't know if I'm dropping someone for her. Let's just say Hayley Rice has an unfortunate injury in the lead up to the Olympics. Then you're talking. But I don't see it happening. I think, look, it's good that Harding's getting a bit of experience, but I'm maybe looking at her going, all right, let's see what she can do and maybe integrate her in terms of a view on the 2027 World Cup. Okay. That may be where you look at and go, okay, then she'll be ready for a major tournament. I mean this with as little disrespect as possible. She's never played an Australian team before. She's never been in a youth team. She's never been in a camp. This is her first genuine experience at it. Are you going to give someone an Olympic spot when they haven't really, I won't say gone through that um, period with the Matildas because they don't necessarily need to, but can you realistically go from never being part of an Australian squad to this is a must-take player to the Olympics in the space of two games? I mean, I think that's my question. But, uh, yeah, I I get it. But if... Yeah, 
Like I, it's, it's yeah. a tough one because let's just say she goes in that first game, comes off the bench, scores a hat trick. You you do well to drop her. What I'd say is there's going to be another international break. We've got the game against Mexico. I hope we organize another game because I don't want to be flying out to America just to yeah. play once. I think that'd be really really stupid. If that's the case, if she goes into that Uzbekistan game and absolutely kills it, call her up again. Slightly better side, see what she can do, making that step up against a team that doesn't necessarily suit her skill set because I look at this Uzbekistan team, they, they'll be able to sit very compact. They will, do, they will defend for their lives. It'll be like playing your Iran's, your Chinese Taipei. It'll, it'll classic yeah. Asian game that we've had to face. Sophie Harding is probably the best answer that we could have in this situation to what they're going to do. She's got pace to burn. She's unpredictable. She's tricky. She's techie. She will cause them problems. Courtney Vine would cause them problems too. So it's even if she comes in, if she comes in and does well, there's always going to be a thing in the back of my mind going, is it just the fact that these games really, really suited her? I, I do feel bad in a way because I don't want to sit here and just completely dismiss Courtney, uh, not Courtney one, Sophie, Sophie Harding. Harding as a Matilda because if she comes in and does really well, I'm going to be stoked. But we're already talking about a shortened squad for the Olympics. You're going to need to see something really, really special for someone to go from never worn an Australian jersey to um, being an Olympics player in the space of 12 months. Saying that, I'm also forgetting the fact that Claire Hunt kind of did it yeah. last year, but like, but she, but look at the impact that she had on the side. She exactly like that's the impact that I'm saying that you're going to need to have. Like, you need to be able to come in and borderline revolutionize a team. That's I, what Claire Hunt did. So look, if she can do it, fuck oath, bring her in. Yeah, I'd just be very surprised if she does. And that's not a knock on her. It's just a standard that I'm kind of expecting from Matilda's player as well. Is it also like an ace up a sleeve that, cool, it's also a disadvantage at the same time, but is it that kind of breath of fresh air, hey, I've never been in this system, I've never been in a camp, I've never been around you guys in this kind of respect before, this is what I can bring to the table, is it a different kind of element that comes into this squad, kind of like Claire did, that then shifts the mindset of, oh shit, yeah, we've been thinking the same thing for multiple and and this is completely different because we don't even have Sam there whether she's going to be there as kind of like a um entourage kind of figure but I can't see her making the trip out for this like is that kind of the breath of fresh air to make everyone think cool all right we don't have to feed the ball to 10 and we don't have to we can play kind of like a different way almost and that's where that kind of falls in. Because at the end of the day, we've got to find our identity in these two games to take to the Olympics because we're not playing with Sam at the Olympics. Yeah, look, I think <laughs> so, our, our identity is a bit clearer sometimes when Sam's not playing because they're not looking yeah, for a figure that has think, to feed constantly. I think the World Cup was like a a pretty good picture of that. Like, look, yes, we kind of... We're always going to be a better team with Sam playing. What I'd like to see is us play the style we do without Sam with... Sam Kerr, we would we if we, once we find that balance, we will be the best football team on the planet. I can almost guarantee it. But no, look, I'm definitely not going to deny the fact that it'll be a fresh air. It definitely can. It's seeing something new is never a bad thing. And if she's able to come in, she's able to provide something different to the side and something that maybe 
either Australian strikers aren't able to do. I think you're looking at an option long term. Short term's a little bit different. Claire Hine also had the safety net of the fact that she was going into a squad of 23. And there was also the fact that we did kind of need a new centre-back too. We needed a bit of refresh in that area. You're also fighting, in terms of Sophie Hiding, she's going to be fighting between Caleb Ford, Hayley Rasso, Courtney Vine, Mary Fowler, Emily Van Egmond. They're tough names to beat. I think if you give it a year, if you give it 12 months, and she's able to improve areas of a game that I do still see deficiencies in, namely her technical ability, I still think her first touch is maybe not where it should be for a Matilda's player. Then you're looking at one of the best players that we could have available to us because she's very similar to Courtney Vine in terms of a very, very rapid player and someone that's hard to defend. Once those deficiencies in her game are kind of worked on, you've got a special player in your hands. She's someone that, and I've mentioned this before, and I hate the fact that I've got to say this because I'd love for us to be able to work on these things in Australia. She's the sort of player that I look at and go, if you put her in a professional environment overseas, she probably improves tenfold. If the double's professional, she'd probably be the best player in the, in the, in the country because those deficiency, deficiency, deficiencies, fuck me, I can't talk today. Those deficiencies she's, she has in her game can be worked on very easy if you're training five hours a day, five days yeah. a week. Unfortunately, we're not in a position as a country to do that. You look at the way she got a call out. She said she was working a 10-hour shift. That's not a fun, cute story of hardship and overcoming barriers. That's embarrassing that one of the most informed players in our national top-level competition in the women's football, they're working 10-hour shifts to make ends meet. That's simply not good enough. So, look, you put her in a professional environment for a year. I'd love to see what sort of player comes out the other end. Mm. Saying that, like, I know, look, everything that I've said for the past five, ten minutes is probably sounding like I'm extremely critical of her call-up and, and questioning it. I'm not. I still think there's something that's going to, that she's, she's definitely going to add something to this team. She's definitely going to add something to these games. I think how you move on with her as a Matilda is the part that, you know, I debate. I won't even say question because I've said I said this on the um podcast last or the last time we were on, and it's the reason why I'm trying. I'm not I'm trying not to. I'm not shitting on this call up. No matter who gets called up into a Matilda squad, I will always back hundred percent. She's there. I'm actually quite happy she's there. You're talking about an informed player, same as Michelle Heyman, and she has different characteristics that she can add to this team. I am definitely not going to say I'm displeased that she's in the Matilda squad. I don't know if she's ready for the Olympics. Maybe the way I said it was a little bit harsh, but let's just say she does end up in the call-up and she does prove her worth for the Olympics. Once again, I'm not going to discourage it. I'm not going to say it's a disgrace that she's there. I will go and back her. I think that's probably the main thing I'd want to preface. Yeah. That's okay. You can have an opinion, Cody. That's fine. That's what this podcast is for. No, um, of course. I just don't want to sit here and sound harsh. Like, oh, I don't want Sophie Harding in the team. She's a great player. I'm not opposed to her call-up. I'm just questioning whether she's going to be able to break into the Matilda squad, even no matter what she does in this period. Yeah. I know you brought up age before when we were talking about Arvi. At what point do we need to stop taking three centre-backs over the age of 30 to competitions? Um, well, look, I wouldn't be taking three players, three centre-backs I mean, over the like, age of 30 because Claire Hunt I mean, should be Claire one Hunt's of them. There. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I agree. But, like, 
where do, when do we drop players like Ivy yeah. and Claire for good? You drop them when a young centre back comes through and shows that they can play that. Do level. we have anyone that is at that point now There's... where they could take that fourth role for experience in it? Like, let's say, look, look at Mexico, right? If we know that, cool, we're not taking Claire or Avi or someone. Do we put a young person in that spot to go? Hey, not to Mexico. I think that's that period will be one of our last periods that we play before the Olympics. I'd rather take a full strength squad, get players ready, get them cohesed. I don't know even know if that's a word, but I'm taking a full strength squad to make sure I'm preparing properly for the Olympics. We don't need to build yep. depth. We already have more than 18 players that we can pick from. Take 23 that you're going to go. Okay, these are from this. We're going to pick 18 players to go to the Olympics. Yeah. After the Olympics, that's probably when you look at, okay, you don't need to call up players like Avery Look to every um, Matilda squad. You, If she's still our best centre back, then yeah, maybe you bring her into the um, competition games when 2026 comes around. Saying that, I wouldn't be surprised if she retires after the Olympics. So you're going to be forced into needing to find another centre back. The good thing is, after the Olympics, we have a good 12 to 15 months to trial out different things and have a look at different players. I'd look at either one of Winona Heatley and Matilda McNamara has done their ACL. I cannot remember for the life of me which one it is, and it does kind of bug me that that's the case. I think it's Matilda McNamara, wasn't it? Maybe. I know um, Winona Heatley's just signed a new contract at Nordsdijsland, if I pronounced that correctly. She's actually, I believe, the captain over there too. So she's doing really, really well for herself. She's someone that I'd love to see integrated into the side. Matilda McNamara, when she gets um, through her injury, she's already been in Matilda squads before. She's made her debut already. She's someone that I think we should be keeping an eye on too, get in there, see what she can do. And I know Michelle's brought her up before, Charlotte McLean. I don't, from the top of my head, I can't think of a better option at centre-back in the A-League women's. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking at that space, she's someone that could really come in and do the job as well. Okay. I think you've got three options there that are relatively young that could very well go on and be, at least in the short term, in terms of 2026-2027, another option to play at centre-back in the Matilda side. We are definitely going to have to look for the future. I think Alana Kennedy's got one more World Cup in her, maybe another Olympics in her. After that, that's when we're probably going to have to make sure we've got a good selection of centre-backs to be able to pick from. The point is, if you can get those three integrate into the Matildas and have them as ready-made players so that when I, that way whenever one of them need to be called up, possibly to a major tournament, they're ready straight away. That's what the 12 months after the Olympics is for. I'd be getting those three in as many squads as I can. I'd be getting them as many minutes as I can. That way, when 20, the 2026 Asian Cup comes around, you're ready. You've got, you've got a good pool of centre-backs there to pick from. And you never know, there could be a young centre-back that comes through in the next year or so, and 17, 18-year-old that we haven't seen before, that clicks straight away and we go, oh, shit, they need to be caught up straight away. Yeah. They need to be integrated. Um, off the top of my head, I'm thinking maybe Naomi Shinomara, she's yeah. able to get to the best that she can be in the next 12 months. I think she'd be a really interesting one to bring in. But, um, yeah, I think the three that I mentioned first, they're the next ones you look at, they're next in line. I um, think that... um. By all accounts, I think we're hosting that. Oh, really? Well, we're, we're definitely we've you definitely if, put uh, our name forward. If, um, and I think our own, it, I think Cody's our, breaking news that isn't even news, guys. Oh, look, it's been around for ages. I know. Um, 
we uh, James Johnson announced it when he said we were pulling out of any sort of option for the 2034 Men's World Cup. I mean, he it's said been, we're going to go for the 2026 Asian Cup. It'll be 20 Cup. years since we've hosted the Women's Asian Cup. Yeah, and um, I think we're going for the 2029 Club World Cup as well, which would be interesting to say the least. But um, for the 2026 Asian Cup, I'm 90% sure about this. I don't know if anyone's confirmed interest since I got this information, but I think our only competition for it is Saudi Arabia. And let's be real, Saudi Arabia isn't exactly a great place for women. So I'd like to think that we're a better option for them. 30th of October, Australia strongly positioned to host AFC Asian Women's Cup via Football Australia. There we go. Um, so for those of you playing along at home that have no idea why we've been talking about the Matildas for the last half an hour, we do play this weekend. Crazy. Um, so what does this mean for the Tillies going forward? These are the last two games for us to qualify, pretty much qualify for the World Cup. If we do not come out on top of Uzbekistan after this home and away draw, we are just like the UK and we do not go to Paris. Um, you say World Cup or Olympics? I said a World Cup, I think. It's the Olympics, guys. We're still oh, very far away from the World Cup. And it's kind of like the world coming together again to play for a cup, but we play for a medal. Um, so this is for the Olympics. Um, so we the girls are currently in Dubai right now. They flew there today. Um, we'll ah, look, it is, it is, it's a family friend getting married. Like <laughs> as, as much as I'm a little bit spewing, I'm not watching the game. This is The Matildas will play again on Wednesday. My they family will. friend gets married once. Very, I can't miss very it. true. That's okay. I'll let it slide. Uh, so Foot mob notifications are a blessing, though. I'll say <laughs> that much. Let's go. Uh, so Uzbek- we play in Uzbekistan on Saturday. Then three, four days later, we are here in Melbourne. In I think they're playing in Marvel Stadium. Um, 55,000 sellout, I think. 55,000 sellout. Should have put it at um, the MCG and sold some extra tickets right put in that gap where Taylor Swift is the pre-show. Break Taylor Swift's um, Well, whatever she got for the MCG, I reckon. She, I think she played in front of 90-something. So the Matilda's dominance on Australians. Hey, look, Australian you tell culture. me we couldn't do 100 plus K. So well, I think, all I'm saying is Ed Sheeran got 109,000. Yeah, but he also had the floor, like he had the grassed area open. And he he was, had the whole stadium open. Yeah. Yeah. Mine, just, was, just a side tangent. Fantastic concert. Fantastic man. <laughs> was not there. Um, you missed out. So I did. Um, so we play in Melbourne to wrap it up. So how this works, for those of you that are new to football and have never played um, or been around this type of tournament, home and away legs, is that we go to Uzbekistan, we score three goals. We come home. Um, we start pretty much with a three-goal advantage and with an advantage that we scored three goals away. Um, so as long as we kind of don't concede three goals, we'll be fine, if that makes sense to everybody. Um, Essentially, the two scores are combined. If at the end of 180 minutes the scores are equal, they then work out who scored the most amount of away goals. Once, If that's still equal, then we're playing extra time of penalties. Let's Frankly. Go. We should be winning this game. Like let's, I don't want to be arrogant about again. it, but I want to go into these games and go, it's not just about winning, it's about making a statement. We are the superior team in Asia. 100%. We are going to go and show we're the superior team in Asia. I want something of the ilk of the Philippines game. 
So meanwhile, on the other side of the draw for the other team, so two teams are going to qualify from Asia. Um, Japan are playing Korea in the opposite side of the draw. Um, and I believe That's it's North, North Korea, Korea. too. North Korea, not South Korea. So very interesting on that side of the table. So um, the winner of those two just go to the Olympics. I don't think there's a playoff for no. Nah. Straight to the so it's just straight to the Olympics, and then we catch you in Paris with a baguette in hand. Um, a good explanation enough, about actually, what's I'll happened. I'll be in Paris about four weeks before the tournament kicks off. So hey, I um, go sneak hopefully into... when I'm in Paris, there's not a lot of tourism because everyone's waiting for the Olympics. That's what I I'm mean, hoping for, at least. The Eiffel Tower is currently shut down due to strikes of the workers. So let's well, hope that's no strikes on when I'm in Paris. Um. So, yeah, really, really, really interesting. Um, I'm just going to try and find out. So um, if you haven't looked at this at all, it's been a very interesting um, qualifying tournament across the world as well. Um, it is... It's funny, believe, actually, France are playing in the playoff for it, even though they already yeah. qualified as a host nation. So I think Germany's kind of already through, but, yes, yeah, Spain need to beat the Netherlands to be able to make it. Very interesting because Netherlands oh, are. I think if um, France win the third place playoff winner between Germany Who? and whoever Spain yeah. loses that, Spain and Netherlands will go through. So, US women have already qualified, um, and so did Canada from Concacaf, I believe. Um, then Brazil and Colombia have gotten through from Copa America. And New Zealand from Oceania. And New Zealand from Oceania. Um, so, yeah, now it's just those. Interesting. There you go. It's very interesting. If, if anyone, Every time I read something, I, like, learn something else. It's great. If um, um, anyone at home cares as well, um, two teams from Ghana, Zambia, Tunisia, Morocco, that's Cameroon, exactly what Nigeria, South Africa, and Tanzania will go through from Africa as well. I, I mean, am shocked that Tanzania are there, mind you. I've never heard of them doing anything in football in general. So if they beat South Africa and go to the next stage, which is highly unlikely, that'll be a story I'm keeping on eye. I mean, wouldn't it be good to see Morocco there after what they did in the World Cup? Like, it would be that interesting, would, That would be so, so good. But um, I think, um, I guess, it depends because Africa are always really, really stupid with how they let teams qualify for major tournaments. Yeah. There's a good to fair chance Nigeria and South Africa win their games and despite them being really the two best teams in Africa, they'll make them play each other so only one of them can go to the Olympics. Because Africa, I'll tell you what, I mentioned the OFC being, having rocks for brains when they run their um, organization. Africa is not as bad as them, but man, they make some stupid decisions. <laughs> um, but that is the wrap up. That is what is coming up this week. So if you are on the edge of your seat like we are, you can make sure you tune in. I believe the game is, oh, it's going to be on Paramount Plus, guys. Paramount Plus. So make sure you've got your subscription. Channel Should 10. be Channel 10 as Should well. Should be free to air on channel 10 as well so Should, make if sure if it's not free to air there's issues if channel 10 are missing out 100 <laughs> percent um so make sure you guys have checked that out make sure you're on your edge of your seat like we are gonna pull it'll be the uh, nation's league and the nation's league finals the reason that well the nation's league finals for yeah. the top division is what's qualifying for the olympics so i know we don't talk a lot about other nations on here but this is going to an olympics so we're going to probably end up talking about a lot of these people anyway um so We'll just double check that. But yeah, um, very interesting. Spain, Netherlands, that's going to be a huge game, man. Because Netherlands are on a, a pretty good tear. They're the ones that knocked 
did you oh, did you watch that England Netherlands game? Sorry, guys, for the sidetrack. But did you watch the the Lionesses nah. Netherlands game? Nah. Oh, worth a watch if you can find a replay of it. Go back and watch it. Um, but that is going to be us talking tillies. We are going to be out for another week. Um, next week we will recap everything that's happened. So you might see this episode a little later in your week than usual because obviously the game is on Wednesday. So we won't record until Thursday. Um, so we'll probably see it Friday morning. Um, depending on how good I am at editing. Because, um, you know, we live in a good life. Um, but that is us out and about for another two-week wrap-up of what's happened in Australian football. Cody, this is your time. Is there anything else to add on uh, open mic session? Have we missed anything? Is there any highlights you want to touch on? Is there anything in the world happening that we need to be aware of? Um. OFC, get your shit together. That's, that's probably it. I just want to reiterate that point. That's something I'm very passionate about. Highlighted. We won't come back, but if you do it, it'd be cool. Um, <laughs> um, all right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Um, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to wherever you're listening to us. Uh, it really helps us kind of reach out and collect uh, more listeners and more in our community. If you haven't already, make sure you're jumping over to our social medias at Talk and Tillies on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, uh, or X. Sorry, it's not Twitter anymore. Um, and a whole heap of other places. I think we're on YouTube as well. We haven't posted anything there yet, though, so that's not really worth to subscribe as of yet. Um, but thank you for joining us, and we will be back next week to wrap up everything that the Tillies have done uh, and hopefully celebrate our way to the Olympics. See you next week. Bye.